I've said to you often that you need to be reading your scriptures every day. And I do that most every day. But as I read and as I study through these scriptures each day, I must confess to you that for me, it's not always an easy task to clearly know the responses that God would desire for me to have to some of his instructions, his laws, his commandments. So it would seem that it would be easy. He simply gives an instruction and we're to follow it. But it's never that easy. And as we've observed the responses of the organized church over the many centuries, especially since Christ, it seems that the organized church also has the same uncertainty that I have, even among their most earnest of believers in those days. In last week's message, we read and we studied about the confused responses that the people had to the sacrament of fasting, of fasting. And now this week, we'll examine the responses that the people had to God's instructions about how they should regard this special day, the Sabbath. And especially this explanation that Jesus gave to them about it. Turn with me, if you will, and let's read. This is coming from Luke chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. Luke chapter 6, verse 1. There we read, Now it happened on the second Sabbath after the first that he went through the grain fields. This is the Lord Jesus. That he went through the grain fields and his disciples plucked the heads of grain and ate them, rubbing them in their hands. And some of the Pharisees said to them, Why are you doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath? But Jesus answering them said, have you not even read this, what David did when he was hungry? He and those who were with him. How he went into the house of God, he took and ate the showbread, and also gave some to those who were with him, which is not lawful for any but the priests to eat. And he said to them, The Son of Man is also Lord of the Sabbath. Verse 6. Now it happened on another Sabbath also that he entered the synagogue and he taught. And a man was there whose right hand was withered. So the scribes and the Pharisees watched him closely, whether he would heal on the Sabbath, that they might find an, an accusation against him. But he knew their thoughts. And he said to the man who had the withered hand, Arise and stand here. And he arose and stood. And then Jesus said to them, to the scribes and Pharisees, I'll ask you one thing. Is it lawful? on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to destroy. And when he had looked around at them all, he said to the man, Stretch forth your hand. And he did so. And his hand was restored as whole as the other. But they were filled with rage, and they discussed with one another what they might do to Jesus. The Sabbath day was one of the first established observances that God put into place within his newly created world. And although in those very first moments in time, God didn't give specific instructions regarding what man was to do on that special day, this special day, he did leave us with some strong indications as to how we're to respond to it. 
Listen to these words. These are in Genesis chapter 2, just after God had finished all the matters of creation during that first six days. There we're told in verse 1, Thus the heavens and the earth and all of the hosts of them were finished. And on the seventh day, God ended his work which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all of his work which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he rested from all of his work which God had created and made. Now here, though the word Sabbath isn't used, it's being set into place. It's being set into place. And later God would give the laws and the commandments to Moses about what we are to do on the Sabbath. And then it would be clearly established as an observance that God's people were to follow. We're told in Exodus 20, and this is in the third of the Ten Commandments. We're told there, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all of your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work. You, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that's in them, and then he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day, and he hallowed it, made it holy. This word Sabbath comes from the Hebrew word Shabbat. Shabbat. It means simply to rest. To rest. But because the word is so tied to being the seventh day of the week, people often think that it means the seventh day. But it doesn't. It simply means to rest. The Jews have traditionally observed the Sabbath on a Saturday actually beginning Friday evening at sundown and ending on Saturday evening at sundown. And then as we know, the Christian church observes the Sabbath on Sunday. And the reason that we do that is said to be because Sunday is the day on which Jesus arose from the dead. And it's also said to be the day that the Holy Spirit was given to the apostles. Over time from when those first observances of the Sabbath day were given, God expanded the meaning of the Sabbath even further. Not only are His people to observe a rest on one day in seven, God also said that we're to observe that rest both for ourselves and then He also says for the land. So we are to rest and also our land is to rest every seven years. And then also, there's a grand celebration that will be held at the end of seven times seven years. And that's called the Jubilee. And in that year, all of the bond servants or indentured servants would be freed from their obligations. And also, all the possessions of a person that had been sold or mortgaged or in some way lost along the way, it would be returned to the original owners. So the owners of the land were not the true owners. God owned that land there in Israel. And so at the end of the Jubilee, all of the land would be returned to its rightful owner. Now over the many years since those laws and commandments regarding the Sabbath were given, 
men within the churches then and now especially have defined and redefined many times over exactly what God really intends with those laws and commands. And sadly, in many ways, the real meaning and the observance of God's intention on the Sabbath, it's gotten lost. It's gotten lost from our minds and from our behaviors especially. But with that being said, both the Jews and the Christians, they do still have some observance of this day of rest. The most faithful of the Jews, the Orthodox Jews, they make valiant attempts to to observe the Shabbat. We were able to observe that when we were in Israel. Unfortunately, they incorporate many, many man-made rules into that observance. And it includes abstaining from 39 specific activities that are prohibited on the Sabbath day. Rules that we modern-day Americans might consider to be somewhat foolish. But though I myself don't understand the need to abstain from those 39 prohibited activities, I do understand their heart's desire to honor God. One of those 39 activities is that you shall not thresh the grain. That's what the disciples did. If you'll recall in the passage I just read, they would pick the grain in the field and they rubbed it together in their hands. So they were not only harvesting on the Sabbath, they also were threshing it with their hands. Again, we don't understand why they have those prohibited activities, but they're very earnest in it. And I do respect their heart's desire to honor God. We in the Christian church really do very little to observe the Sabbath. We think we do, but we don't. We do try to go to church on Sunday and worship. But other than that, we really don't do much. Sometimes we get up from the pew and we go home and we cut our grass. Or we go and we watch our favorite football game. Or some other activity such as that. Is that sin? Maybe, maybe not. Now our Christian theologians over time have debated and debated about the proper ways to observe the Sabbath. And they have so many varied understandings of how we should behave ourselves on the Sabbath. But all those theologians have not been able to develop a standard observance that all the denominations would accept. And so then, and sadly so, each denominational group seems to simply do those things that are convenient to their church because that's what their pastor told them to do. In our modern age, in this secular American culture, Sunday really is much like any other day. With the exception of organizations such as Chick-fil-A and Hobby Lobby and others like them, most all of the stores and our restaurants and even many of our industrial plants operate seven days a week. There's no rest days that are worked into the schedule. Now, thankfully, our governmental instituted employment laws do prescribe time off for the workers. But those laws have little or nothing to do with God's plan for His creatures on a Sabbath day. And as we read about 
the objections that these religious leaders of Jesus' day had to the things that Jesus and his disciples were doing. We marvel at the way those men, those learned men who believed in God, earnestly believed in God, how those men were able to take the loving, caring, worshipful truths of God and to remake them into something that makes very little sense. Here in their arguments with Jesus concerning the observance of the Sabbath, we find that these scribes and Pharisees had once again, just as they had done with fasting, the sacrament of fasting, they had reduced God's simple and blessed truth down to very little more than empty ritual. Drained of all of its spirit and then fill back up with useless and senseless and spiritless activities. And most of those rules dwelt more on things that you should not do rather than things that you should do. But while it's a curious thing to us as we look back at those learned men making those foolish interpretations, you and I have to be careful because as I said a moment ago, we like to make our own rules for the Sabbath. We do like to go to Lake Teocata. God's Word has the power to establish and to accomplish many different purposes all at the same time. One of which is to also warn you and me in our day and in our own circumstances that we really may, as I mentioned a moment ago, drift off course ourselves. And I do believe that we probably have already. And we just never thought that we had drifted off course. We just do what we do. So my question is, what is your understanding? What is my understanding about such matters as these? How are we to observe the Sabbath? How are you to observe the Sabbath? And then again, in actual practice, how do we conduct ourselves and our behaviors on these Sabbath days like this one. Are you and I keeping God's intended purpose for this very special day? Do we keep this day holy? It's one of the first things the Lord said about the Sabbath day, to keep it holy. Or does its value lie simply in the fact that, well, we don't work, and so we do rest some Is the manner in which we observe the Sabbath properly dedicated to the Lord? Or is our Sabbath dedicated to fun and family activities? Folks, you can't imagine how many preachers I've heard preach that says fun and family activities are excellent things to do on the Sabbath day. I don't know why they know that. Because I have to ask myself, is fun and family activities proper thing to do on the Sabbath? Those are questions that you and I ought to be asking ourselves. Recently, though, as I was studying about God's intent for us, His children, regarding the Sabbath, I rediscovered some scriptures in the book of Hebrews that I have studied on other occasions, but now have given me a new and a better understanding about God's intention for the Sabbath. Now there, especially in Hebrews chapter 3 and chapter 4, God focused our attention on the simple meaning 
of the word Sabbath, calling it his rest, his rest. And he equated in those scriptures the Sabbath to the promised land that the children of Israel had entered into and established as their home. He tells us in chapter 3 of Hebrews why some of the children were not able to enter into his rest. You'll recall that at a point God said, none of you over 20 years old except Joshua and Caleb will enter into my rest. Everybody over the age of 20 will die here in the wilderness before I allow you to go in. And so he asks a question uh, in that. Why the children of Israel were not able to enter into his rest. And he tells us there. He said it's because of unbelief. A lack of faith. Those over 20 years old, because of a lack of faith, were not allowed to go in to God's Sabbath rest. Listen to these words. As God tells us about his beloved children of Israel. This is verse 15 of Hebrews 3. He says, Today if you hear his voice... Do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not all those who left Egypt led by Moses? And with whom was he provoked for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So we see that they were unable to enter his rest because of unbelief. Now here God is promising that just out ahead of his beloved children is a place and a condition of life where there is rest. A kind of Sabbath. A rest not only for their tired bodies from all of that traveling there in the wilderness, but rest for their weary souls. But in order to enter into his rest, there would be one requirement. One requirement. Only one, but it was of absolute necessity. Else they would not be able to enter in. That one requirement was belief. Faith. Faith. And then in chapter 4 of Hebrews, God tells us that the requirement is the same for us, for you and me, to enter into his rest. Listen to these words. Verse 1 of chapter 4. Therefore, let us fear if, while a promise remains of entering his rest, any one of you may seem to have come short of it. Now, this is a promise that he's made to you and me. Not just those back there in the children of Israel. He says, For indeed, we have had the good news preached to us, just as they also... Do you know what he said in those words? He said that the gospel was actually preached to those children of Israel all the way back there in the wilderness. For indeed, we have had good news preached to us just as they also, but the word they heard did not profit them because it was not combined with faith. Now in these words, listen, in these words here in the book of Hebrews, God is telling us that his meaning of this word Sabbath rest is different from what We too often make of it. We want to have clearly defined do's and don'ts. But he's saying here that this Sabbath rest is different than what we often make of it. His intention for his Sabbath rest is not limited to a list of those do's and don'ts. 
that we should observe on, on a Sunday, but rather His Sabbath rest is a state of being. It's a state of being that we enter into as we step on forward into our salvation and truly enjoy an intimate, loving relationship that He wants to have with us. Listen to these words as God tells us how we then are to step on forward into this loving relationship that He wants us to have with the Lord Jesus. This is verse 6 of Hebrews chapter 4. Since therefore it remains for some to enter into His rest, that's you and me. Since therefore it remains for some to enter into His rest, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience, again He appoints a certain day, today, saying through David, so long afterwards, in the words already quoted, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, now this is his argument to us, for if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken about another day later on. So then, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his own works, as God did from his. You and I so often needlessly try to work works that God would not have us to be about. But we think that's what He wants us to do. But He's saying, no, you're living in a time of rest. And so He says in verse 11 of Hebrews 4, He says, Let us therefore strive, make every effort to enter into that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. Now here God is telling you and me that there truly is a condition of rest that's available to us. It's a condition of life that's beyond anything that we could ever imagine. And it's available to you and me here and now, today. He gives us that word, today. Listen, verse 7. He, this is God, appoints a certain day, calling it today. And he says, if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of that other day, that another day later on. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his own works, as God did from his. Now he's saying, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Those who have Christ as their Savior, there's another step that He wants us to take. In these words, God tells us that just by Joshua and the children of Israel crossing into the promised land, that He did not give them that rest that God is talking about here. In these words, this another day that He speaks about today is speaking about the Lord Jesus. And that the Lord Jesus, through His death and His burial and His resurrection, He provided for us the true and final Sabbath rest. Now what he's saying, you recall a moment ago, he said they had the gospel preached to them in their day, just as we have the gospel preached to us in our day. What is the gospel? The gospel in its purest form, according to 1 Corinthians, is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And so this is what he's saying to you and me about our Sabbath rest. He says there's another day and we're calling it today. Because of what the Lord Jesus did there in His death and His burial and His resurrection, He has provided for you and me a true and a final 
Sabbath rest, a form of rest. And that rest begins now in our living years. It doesn't wait until we are in heaven. It begins today. And Jesus calls us to that. Some of our favorite words that I've quoted to us often, He says to us, Come unto me. Come unto me, all you who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle and lowly of heart, and you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And folks, His rest that He is inviting us into is a true rest. The kind of rest that will overcome all the usual anxieties of this life, all the fears, all the troubled hearts, even the worried bodies that this world puts upon us. Jesus will make sure of that because He tells us here, He said, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. And if you enter into my Sabbath, this rest, you'll find rest for your soul. All we have to do is join with Him in our efforts to enter into His rest. Again, He says, let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience that the Israelites fell into. Folks, our striving to enter into His rest, I'm convinced is an example of what God calls working out our salvation. We're already believers, but He's saying, you've got another step. You've got to enter into this rest. You've got to work out your salvation. He says in Philippians chapter 2, Therefore, my beloved, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for His good pleasure. God wants you and me to enter into His Sabbath rest. And if we'll do our part as we work out this salvation that He's worked into our souls, you and I will truly find rest like we've never experienced before. And again, we don't have to wait until we get to heaven to enjoy that rest. It begins now in these living years. So then, back to the first questions that we ask about all those do's and don'ts that we think we have to observe on this special day, the Sabbath. Were the scribes and the Pharisees perhaps correct in establishing all their many requirements? Are the Jews of today perhaps correct in having their 39 prohibited activities that they must not do on the Sabbath. Or perhaps even the Westminster theologians that have defined for us and given us guidance about all the matters of dealing with the Sabbath. Folks, perhaps all of those efforts have at least some value, some more than others. But God has given us other, more specific instructions right here in His words. Right here, after telling us to make every effort to enter into His rest, God tells us how to find what His rest really is like, what He really wants of us in His Sabbath rest. Listen to these words. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by some sort of disobedience. For the Word of God is living and active, and it's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, bone and marrow, discerning the thoughts and the intents of our heart. No creature is hidden from His sight, but all are naked and exposed to His eyes. Here God is telling us simply and plainly 
that most all of what we will really need to know about how to enter into his rest is to be found as we read these blessed scriptures. And that's why I keep saying to you, you need to open your Bible and read these words every day. And you will find answers that you never knew before. Answers such as these. That as you and I dedicate ourselves to the reading then of these scriptures, and especially to meditating, thinking on these truths, then God will open our minds, open our eyes that we might see, open our hearts that we might hear and obey and know what He would have for us on this day of rest. I'm going to say that again and then we'll close. You and I who have Christ as our Savior and our Lord, and there's a difference. He can be our Savior But too often we don't allow Him to be the Lord of our life. So for you and I who have Christ as our Savior and our Lord, we are right now literally living within God's Sabbath rest every moment of every day. Yes, we have a Sabbath day, a certain day, a special day, one in seven. But in reality, folks, listen. When God rested there in the book of Genesis... We also rested. We just haven't known it. His Sabbath rest that He wants us to make every effort to enter into is every day and every minute of every day. And praise be to God for that free gift to us. And listen again to these words as He calls to us to enter into His rest. He says, Come to me. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let's pray.